Hello again, and welcome to episode 24 of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson, and our guest today is Scott Vold, owner and founder of Cracks and Racks and White River Overland in Aspen, Colorado. Let's get in gear with Scott to learn more about the evolution and expansion of the business into van and truck outfitting while maintaining its core business of windshield work, racks, and carriers. Well, Scott, welcome to In Gear with the Shop. And one of the things that's interesting to me, and I just want to go right off the bat with this, is how you got into White River Overland from essentially windshield repair and selling racks and uh, storage for different types of vehicles. How did you get into the Overland thing? How did that happen? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, the company, like, in 2015, 2014, maybe, um, you know, we were retailing a lot. We were doing a fair amount of online business, e-commerce, um, with racks. And that market really started changing. You know, a lot more manufacturers were um, self doing self-fulfillment um, and cutting out dealers. And retail was changing, obviously. Amazon uh, became obviously much more prominent um, and, you know, nobody ships a box quite like Amazon. So um, if you can't play in that game um, and we couldn't play in the technology game in regards to, you know, uh, the rise of e-commerce. So we kind of pivoted as a company and started focusing on products that weren't map compliant, minimum advertised price compliant, um, stuff that we could set our own price, a lot of installation. And when it came down to starting White River Overland, it was sort of just the next evolution of the company. And um, we we bought a van in 2016. <laughs> 2016. Um, it's called the Genesis build in our, on our website. And we started, we started digging in on it. And um, I fortunately was uh, put into touch with some guys that had experience building vans from Ogden, Utah, which is a great hub for manufacturing and fabrication in this part of the country, and picked up a couple lessons, hired some good people, and we built our first van. Uh, it turned out to be a great van, and the process was, was kind of fun. It was a little bit like general contracting, um, and so uh, we decided to launch a brand, White River Overland. Um, as a company, we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into just van building because we do like doing, um, you know, Toyota, uh, Jeep type of projects as well. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the genesis, and that's how Genesis got its name. Right. You you must have seen some movement in your customer base to point you in that direction a little bit to say, hey, we really should be looking into the overlanding aspects and the van conversion, if you will, uh, side of things. Yeah. Um, that was a time, 2016, 2017, there was a high demand for van life. Uh, you know, hashtag van life is, uh, was gaining popularity and people were starting to see in the United States what people in Europe had been doing all along and the market grew. Um, the demand for vans, especially the four by four chassis from Mercedes really helped, uh, 
change the game for people, not only to gain more access, you know, deeper into the backcountry or on logging roads, BLM, Forest Service roads, what have you, but to also create four season capabilities. So what does that typical customer look like, at least on the van side of things? Because obviously the van conversion was a big deal in the 1970s. Uh, yeah. But it's a probably <laughs> what we're talking about now is a lot different because those vans look more like passenger vans to me. And I, I know of a number of restylers who do uh, passenger van conversion and they do a lot of van conversion mainly for organizations and, and uh, corporations. But this sounds like you're doing it more on an individual basis for someone who likes these vans for that backcountry experience where they can get it out there. Yeah, yeah. So certainly different segments in the in the upfitting industry. We're kind of focused on lifestyle, mountain lifestylers. Um, our clients are, you know, single guys, single women, um, couples, retired couples, families, all looking to 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 get out um, and enjoy the outdoors. And you know, the, the starting point for Van can be anything really. I mean, if you're looking at a Mercedes chassis or 60,000 plus with a four by four, um, and then an upfit. So there's a somewhat affluent crowd that that's purchasing vans. Right. What are people asking for in their overland vehicles and vans these days? You know, and I'd like you to tackle those separately. You know, you talked about you'll do some Jeeps and trucks and so on and so forth, but also the vans, I think, are a different animal. So what are people asking for in the vans? And then what are they looking for in other types of vehicles from an overlanding standpoint? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll start with the vans, Reagan. People want a comfortable place to sleep. You know, one of the first questions we ask people is how many people they want to seat and how many people they want to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, Because those extra seating takes up space in the van. Obviously, they want power. People want power to to power devices, um, not just phones, but laptops. Um, A lot of people right out of the gate want to talk about how much power we're putting in the van. And um, usually we will kind of we'll take a a nice walkthrough of the client and find out their style, how they intend to use the van um, and kind of back into their power requirements. And then once we back into their power requirements, we can back into how much solar or other charging profiles that we're going to use to build the van. Um, So people want power. They want a fridge. Um, People want fresh water. Some people want hot water um, and hot water is, changes the game a little bit. There are some ways to, to utilize it, uh, a few different fuel sources to make that happen. Um, toilets, very common request, and showers are becoming more popular as well. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's, it's like 100 square feet, and you try to fit the whole house into the van. <laughs> right. And Sometimes we got to talk people off the pie in the sky, you know, Instagram where, you know, they want to build a yoga studio on the roof so they could take <laughs> great pictures, but then they want, you know, to run induction cookery inside and that's power hungry and they can't use a generator because uh, they don't want to carry a generator and fuel. So we have to temper people's um, dreams and, and, and some of their wishes with what's practical. And then of course, what fits within their budget mm-hmm. on the Jeep and truck side. Um, this is a really great category right now. And, uh, and, and it's more than just Jeeps and trucks, uh, Toyotas, 
right? It's full size overlanders, it's um, Subaru guys, it's and gals, um, it's people that want to to get out and it's their daily driver and you know they want that flexibility, right? COVID put everybody outside. And so rooftop tents, of course, are really popular um, right now. You know, they're, they're accessible to just about any SUV. Um, we can always find a rack system that makes, makes that work. People are wanting to add 12 volt power to their, to their vehicles. Um, they want to run a small chest fridge. They want to be able to have that, uh, that small inverter to charge a laptop. They want to have USB charging capabilities. Um, and so there are some really cool products that come out of Australia. These guys really have nailed it. Of course, they're the, uh, you know, kind of the, the founding fathers, so to speak, of, of, of modern overlanding. So a lot of the influence comes from Australia. And, mm. and then these types of builds, small furniture, drawers, uh, cabinets, somehow to have some maybe a galley that slides out that's got a fridge and a propane stove off the side of it, maybe something with fresh water. Um, so, and then the other option on the third one of these, besides you know that Jeep and truck category, Reagan is the Overland trailer, and so mm. the trailer system, which we really didn't touch on, um, you know, a full contained camp on the trailer, and that's uh, they're being built on um, you know independent suspension chassis, um, very towable for Jeeps. Um, and capable, you know, with 33-inch uh, wheels and tires. So that's a that's a growing category as well. Um, and it's nice for guys. And I had this conversation yesterday. Who who wants to go set up camp, and then he wants to go run into town for an ice cream, or he wants to go jeeping, or he wants to go driving, and he can just detach and go without having to break down camp every time. And so um, those are the big three sort of categories that we've been focused on. Okay. And then on the trailer side, what, what uh, differentiates them from a traditional or typical trailer? I assume these are built specifically for uh, overlanding and uh, they're in different sizes and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, your typical Coleman pop-up camper, which are great. Uh, it was a starter camper for us, but it had, you know, a smaller axle, 15 inch trailer wheels on it. Um, there are some modifications you can make to those to give them more clearance, but it wasn't, the, it's not the type of trailer that can go past the first mile, say, of the dirt road. Nowadays, these trailers, um, you know, the suspension is so much better. It rides and the wheel sizes are bigger. The clearance is better. Um, some have in like, you know, an enclosed sleeping area. Some smaller ones might utilize a rooftop tent on top, but most all have galleys, kitchens, water, gas, fuel on board and are made to, to handle rough roads. Yeah. So I want to go back real quick to um, Cracks and Racks. This is what started the whole thing for you. And congratulations on your, I believe it's your 20th anniversary this year. Is that correct, Scott? Actually, Reagan, and I don't tell this to many people, it's 25. But thank you very much for recognizing that. Um, I started this company in 1996. 
Mm-hmm. I was a young ski bum with a, a bachelor's degree from the University of Iowa, waiting tables and shooting ski videos. And, and, you know, when I was in college and in high school, I was a car detailer. So that was sort of my, my introduction. I, I started detailing cars. Um, and I was detailing cars one day uh, here at a local shop. And a guy came in and fixed a windshield, fixed a rock chip in the windshield. And I was like, man, I could do that. And so I borrowed $1,000 from my parents. And I bought a windshield repair kit. I got connected with a great organization out of Phoenix, the Fast Break Windshield Repair Group. Mm-hmm. And I started replacing windshields, repairing windshields rather. And then about a year and a half later, I, I was like, gosh, I really need to be replacing these too. Um, I learned how to replace windshields, spent a bunch of time up in Billings, Montana, working with a mentor and um, started replacing windshields. And then in 2001, I was having a burger at uh, Bentley's in Aspen, which is at the Wheeler Opera House. And a buddy was telling me about um, needing some parts for his bike rack. And he's like, man, it was impossible to get it. He's like, you should start selling racks. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. He's like, and then you can call it cracks and racks. And we started laughing. And, you know, three months later, I was selling racks here in Aspen. And that part started in about 2001. So I'd been replacing windshields for a few, quite a few years before that. And we still do windshield repair and replacement. Cracks and racks is still very much alive. Right. What, what are you seeing on that side of the business? Is there anything of interest, market trends, or customer requests that you're seeing on that side? Oh, so the, the auto glass industry is also evolved tremendously in the last few years with ADAS systems, which is, you know, advanced driver assistance systems, uh, forward facing cameras that require recalibration. Yeah. Um, just about, you know, so many vehicles today have that type of technology in it and consumers don't realize, or maybe they do, that that technology is actually in the windshield. Um, and it's, you know, those little trapezoidal, uh, windows at the top by the rear view mirror, that's where the camera is. So, um, there's been a lot of change in the industry, um, with ADAS and recalibration. Yeah. Uh, do you see on the rack side, things are mirroring what you're doing on the overlanding side? In other words, people looking for new and innovative ways to get what they want on their car to travel somewhere with. Yeah, that. For sure, but even more, it's coming up with unique and innovative ways to actually get things. I mean, at the time of this recording, you know, we are in a massive supply chain disruption right now. Mm -hmm. Um, This is probably the biggest impact on our company um, from the rack side of things. How are you dealing with that? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, Every day is a little different, you know. When COVID came around in March of 2020, um, and we were an essential business, you know, as an automotive service shop, mm-hmm. um, we were, you know, I was, we were reinventing the business almost on a daily basis, trying to figure out how do we do this right? Um, how do we convey it to our customers that we're doing it right? You know, changing new policies, all that stuff. Uh, it was a very hectic time. And, um, and then, of course, we had supply chain issues last summer, but right now, I'm looking out into the store and I've got one rack, one, one model of bike rack out on display because I can't get anything off these containers that are 
uh, stuck in port or stuck at sea. Um, there's there's truck driving shortages. There's um, factory shortages. There's employee shortages, which is also one of the biggest challenges of any business right now. Mm-hmm. So um, we're just doing the best we can. Um, we try to just be human with people. Um, you know, if I if I could call down to the dockyard in L.A. and tell those guys to work faster, I probably wouldn't. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's just outside the scope of what I can do and what we can do. And we just try to convey that to people that. And so people are, you know, people, well, we get a lot of calls. People are looking for stuff and they're calling you know, 50 different places to see if they yeah. can find it. Yeah. We've got waiting lists, that kind of stuff. You know, as we conclude here, I think what I, one of the things I wanted to make sure that we discussed was, you know, when you opened up the new business, it's kind of an extension of cracks and racks, I suppose, but a related business, it's a second business. What were the challenges in that? What, you know, what were the big things that you learned? What were the most important things that you learned, you know, that other shops can go, okay, we're thinking about doing something similar, whether it's opening a new location or they want to add new products to their, their current line and maybe, maybe even have a second location like you did. But what what, what is the best advice that you can give that you learned from that process? I don't know if I could articulate all of the challenges that I have faced, but I, I guess I'll give you just some of my advice for anybody, any young entrepreneur that feels like they want to do something. And uh, and I know that there are a lot of them out there. The notion of failure just never even came across my mind because I was so sure. I was so sure that I would put in the effort and the time to make it come to fruition that it just it never even occurred to me that I could fail or that I could you know, wrap a hundred thousand dollars into a van build and, and not be able to recover it. Right. You know, and, and it just never occurred to me. Um, and maybe it's just naivete, but I believed in myself so much. And, and I fortunately have associated myself with some very bright and talented people along the way. And, um, they've helped give me some confirmation bias on that. Um, it has not been without, adversity, I will assure you, nothing comes without some some downside. Um, certainly financial stress at times, deadlines, sometimes you get an unhappy customer and dealing with, you know, hiring and firing and training and these things all take a toll. Um, my dad taught me the that hard work pays off and that I have lived by that since um, and I, he also told me that sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do. And I use that one for my son a lot now. Just you got to do it. And uh, I think there's a lot of people that could be overwhelmed by some of the initial paperwork. And all of a sudden I got to get insurance and now I've got to get employees and I got to do payroll and all of those things you could do. You got to do those things. And I think uh, if people are willing to fight through some of the tape in spite of what critics may say, then you can do it. How you make money is a whole nother, is a whole nother conversation, but you can do it. You can be successful in that way. Was there anything that you did during that process that you figured out, Hey, this is not working and you had to adjust? Yeah, I think that was, some of the things like in 2014, it's like, oh man, you know, we're getting killed by Amazon here. Like I can't, 
um, I can't sell this thing for $350 and ship it for free, which is going to cost me another 40 bucks and then have Amazon take 15 points off the top mm-hmm. and make money. So that's when we said, Hey, you know what, this is, isn't working and we need to move into, um, you know, we need to move into a little bit more of a service oriented business. Right. Um, but I mean, I've made some bad decisions. I've purchased tools that didn't work out. Um, I mean, all of those things, you know, there's, yeah. there's some cost of doing business. You got to, you make mistakes. You got to just move on. Right. Well, you know what the music means? Our time is up, but I very much appreciate your time, your expertise and your perspective on the market. Thanks a lot, Reagan. I enjoyed it and I appreciate you bringing me on. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to In Gear with the Shop through your favorite podcast platform, whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're subscribed to the Shop's daily e-newsletter, you'll know when the latest podcast is available. Plus, you'll stay up to date on the latest in the automotive aftermarket. Just go to theshopmag.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, adios amigos.